Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. So I'm joined today by Sophie Devonshire. Sophie is the Chief Executive of the Caffeine Partnership and she's also the author of Superfast Lead at Speed, which I'm delighted to say was number one on the Amazon change management bestsellers list and was also shortlisted for Business Book of the Year. So huge congratulations on both of those and thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, so given um, the title of your book, Superfast Lead at Speed, it won't be surprising to know that I'd like to talk to you today about what that really means. <laughs> so. Where did that title come from? Tell me what Leading with Speed is. Well, it was a a few years ago and I was um, working with uh, various leaders and I had friends who were involved in different businesses and they all were talking to me about the same thing. They were all very excited about the world in which we operate now and the technological change and the pace that that's driven in business. But everybody was saying there are so many opportunities out there and the world is moving so fast, but our business is moving too slowly. So there are lots of people who are very frustrated with that. At the same time, there are other people saying, there's all these amazing opportunities out there, but I feel overwhelmed by the choice and the opportunities, and I'm exhausted by it as well. So I wanted to understand a bit more about um, what the role of leadership was in a world that's moving much, much faster. Because, I mean, we've all seen it. Everyone's talking about disruption. We've seen that the technological change that's happened has driven business opportunities and a pace, which is just, it's it's kind of like compound interest in business. Mm. It's exponential and it's accelerating. And everybody talks about it, but nobody quite knows what that means for the leaders who are involved in terms of how they get the pace right. So I wanted to explore that and um, being both an acceleration addict myself, I love seeing things move fast and also wanting to help people who are exhausted and overwhelmed by it all. Wow, I mean, there's so many interesting aspects of this, aren't there? I'm thinking about um, how you research the book. Tell, tell me a bit more about that. Well, I had a whale of a time, actually, because I thought I would go and talk to some of the people who are managing different types of businesses and learn from them. Mm. I quite like a great quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, who is most known for being the wife of an American president, but a phenomenal woman in her own right. She helped draft the United Nations Human Rights Convention. And Eleanor Roosevelt said, we must learn from other people's mistakes because life is too short to make them all ourselves. So I thought I'd start by going to learn from what other people had been doing. And I spoke to a hundred different leaders across the globe, all kinds of different businesses, Uh, fast growth startups, all the companies you'd expect like Google, etc. People managing big super tanker companies like Paul Polman, the global CEO of Unilever. I spoke to the head of the Joint Intelligence Counterterrorism Unit. So if you think you have problems with your to-do list, try saving the world from terrorism and doing it fast. Lots of people, lots of different personalities, lots of different business um, angles and just wanted to find some tools and tips and techniques to really help everybody else and bring that all together. So, wow, so that's a really diverse um, piece of research. What sort of patterns did you find? Well, I guess, I mean, the most obvious thing when you speak to a lot of successful people is you realise the only thing that all successful people have in common is that they are successful. Mm -hmm. You know, they were so different. But there were a few 
few elements that really helped bring it all together. So whether you were managing a, a fast growth startup or a big global legal company, everybody agreed that there is a need for speed in mm. business. So in a world where you've got companies like Uber who go from nothing to a $58 billion valuation in and 58 countries in five years, mm. you know, that type of activity drives an impatience in business that can't be denied, mm. even if you're a completely different type of company. So everybody was interested in how they could structure for speed. But at the same time, everybody also wanted to understand how not to rush. So we need to slow down to think, we need to get the pace right. So the biggest thing that everyone had in common, those people who were thriving rather than just surviving in this world of speed, was that they understood how to set the right pace rather than thinking about speed. So they had quite a varied pace. They knew when to slow down, when to speed up, and they thought consciously about how they got that balance of different paces right. So knowing how to vary pace, that sounds like quite an intuitive thing. Is there something more that sits behind that for those leaders that you spoke to who you felt were doing that well? The ones who were doing it well, I think, were the ones who over time had developed both incredible technological understanding, but were also very skilled at human understanding. Mm. So we need to use the, the power that we have through technology. It can speed things up in terms of communication, it can make processes um, more organised, but the empathy and the human understanding side of it all is more important than ever because getting the pace right for as your organization grows involves understanding your customer or your consumer really being able to anticipate what they want um, be ready and set up to deliver what they want mm -hmm. there's a human understanding angle of that which is really important and you see it with companies like amazon which is very uh, customer centric and obsessed with it all but also other organizations I guess it's no coincidence that successful startups often run by those founders who are actually the customer mm. because they know exactly and they can make decisions fast. So human understanding in terms of understanding your customer, human understanding in terms of understanding your organisation. So being able to communicate well with them, being able to understand how to motivate and, and drive people and get them prepared to move at the right pace can really, really help. But there's also something around understanding the power of the pause. So when things are moving very fast, taking time to strategically pause, bring people together to plan the direction you're going in, that makes such a difference to getting the pace right. A super fast pace all the time is A, not sustainable, and B, not smart. You need to allow time to bring in different perspectives, to plan, to structure for success, and to really understand the power of the pause. So I'm thinking about how um, you've said there there's the technological side of this mm. and also the interpersonal side of it, if you will. And did you see evidence in your research of organisations or leaders investing time themselves to develop their knowledge and skills in both of those sort of areas? Absolutely. That was one of the most important things that most of the people I spoke to had discovered that rushing around making things happen needs to be part of what they do, but also allowing time to develop themselves as leaders, taking time to understand themselves, developing the skills 
so that they could not just focus on what was going on inside their business, but look up and around. Mm. We talk in the book about peripheral vision, being able to learn from others, being able to see what's happening elsewhere, being able to work out whether all the ripples that are out there are just ripples or are they waves that are going to take over your company or affect your company, getting that sense of being able to look up and around. Mm. And therefore, leaders do need to, to read to listen, to talk to other people and develop their own skills because we're constantly faced with different challenges in a world that is changing so fast mm. and unless we continue to develop our skills and strengthen ourselves, we won't be able to keep up. So I'm interested in um, whether or not you've seen um, differences across the sectors that you have investigated. Mm. What's interesting is there are different challenges according to what stage your company's at. So if you're a startup or a scale-up, part of the challenge is how you grow up without slowing up. So you want to um, make sure that the company continues to grow at a great pace. But the bigger you get, the more you need to look at being both responsive and continuing to be able to respond to the opportunities, but also responsible. And we've seen that with technology companies and other companies, that greater responsibility that's needed. How you get the processes right as a company grows is really important without slowing down. Mm. Then if you're a big, massive super tanker um, with all the heft that you have as a multinational, there's a real danger in moving too slowly mm. and having your competitors snap at your heels and, um, and get in there before you. Because really the, the potential for the competition to do things, even when they're small, is greater than ever before. Mm. So the super tankers need to look at how they can scale and keep that scale, but also innovate faster, get things to market faster, be more responsive to what their customers need. And it's very nerve wracking because there's more risk involved the bigger a company you are. So there's this ongoing competition between different types of organisations, but all of them need to get not just speed and pace, but velocity. When you talk to a lot of engineers about this concept of speed, velocity as a concept is, mm. is the best one because technically it's speed but in a given direction. And the role for a leader is to set that direction. And things are much, much more able to move in the right direction and move with velocity once you've spent that time thinking about what your purpose is, where you want to go as an organisation. And all of that comes from a leader who's able to really pause and think slowly about what direction do we want to go in? What's our purpose? And then how we get the pace right behind that focus. So I'm thinking about an organisation that's got a leader in place who's able to do that um, and creates a culture of pace but with direction and also has an eye on the human impact of that decision-making um, and business growth velocity, as you describe it. And I'm wondering how that person creates a team around them that's also able to have that same vision, if you will, that ability to sort of lift their head up and pause and have a look out there and see what else is going on. How does someone do that? Well, you're right, it is all about having the right people around you and who's on the bus and who you recruit is one of the most important decisions any leader has to make. Mm -hmm. And we had a huge conversation with all the um, people I spoke to in researching the book, hiring at the right speed, mm -hmm. getting the right people on the bus. And 
bringing on board the right talent is very much linked to the attractiveness of your organization brand mm. and what kind of culture you have. More now than ever before, people are making decisions about what role they take based on the culture of a company. Mm. So how do you attract the right people? Well, you have really clear recruitment criteria about the type of person you want for your organization. So leaders have to pause and think about what type of people they need inside the organization in order to build that organization. And then making sure it's as, as attractive as possible because the war for retention and attracting great talent is as important as the war for actually getting your customers and consumers on board mm. now. Getting the right brains and the right people on your, your team is important. The other thing as well is the power you can have in building a super team. So high performance teams are incredible as a competitive advantage. So as a leader, working with your executive team, working with your whole organization to make sure everyone is moving in the right direction together can be incredibly powerful. Google's done some great research around this. Project Aristotle, the whole is greater than some of the parts, shows unequivocally that it's not who's on your team that matters, it's how they work together. So it's partly attracting the right people and getting them on to, onto your bus, but also spending time building that high performance culture, building that sense of team, which can make all the difference in a super competitive world. So I think I'm pretty sure it's Simon Sinek who said, um, hire for attitude and train for skills. And yet, whilst I think I understand that, and I think that's sort of similar to what you're talking about in terms of hiring into a particular culture. When you're working at pace, when you're making fast decisions, how then do you also find the time to put into training and development of those people who you might have hired without the skills that are needed to keep your pace continuing? That's a great question because if your organisation is moving fast and growing, sometimes you get people who go from managing barely any people to you know dealing with huge teams. Mm. And the most visionary leaders I spoke to and work with are those who make sure there is a smart amount of time allocated to nurturing those leaders and giving them the support they need, whether it's team coaching, whether it's allowing them really clear mentorship and support, uh, whether it's encouraging them to have enough space in their diary to develop, mm. it is essential. Um, but I think leaders now are finding different ways to do that. It's not, you know, the, the old school um, going away and doing huge courses. It's working out how you can get that super fast coaching and development mm. and and encouraging people to do it themselves. And it is much, much more motivating for people to feel that they've got that sense of mastery and that they are developing. But it's tricky. The more senior you get, I mean, we now operate in a world where leaders are more visible than ever. They have more pressure. They represent their company brand and they have no time in their day. Their to-do lists are expanding. Their email inboxes are, you know, emails are multiplying like rabbits in their inbox. Mm. The pressure and the pace is immense. So the most supportive senior leaders need to be the ones who recognise that they need to provide that support, training and acceleration so that the leaders stay in the company and develop rather than taking the easy option and moving elsewhere when it gets too much. And we might say a few words about what happens when it gets too much because I feel like there's a sense of 
sort of combined pressure of pace over time, which might lead to a sense of, you know, things being overwhelming for an individual or indeed for a bigger team, an even bigger part of, a, of an organisation. And so what, what did you find about that in your research? Okay, something that's quite technically, quite literally rocket science, which is the concept of max Q. So aeronautical engineers obsess over max Q, and it's the point when you're on a rocket ship, right, when the rockets increase velocity and the decrease in oxygen and technical problems where you get burnout, basically, where you get damage occurring to that rocket ship. And the aeronautical engineers obsess over what is the point of max Q. And great leaders should be doing the same with their teams and their organisations. It's no coincidence that people use rocket ships as a metaphor for fast growth business. It's exciting, you're heading for the moon, you know, it's great, great cosmic velocity. But actually making sure you're nurturing the energy of your team, you're watching for burnout, you're building in the pauses amidst the pressure so that we don't get that max Q and burnout can make all the difference to having a sustainable team of brilliant leaders. I love that. I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. Um, and there's something on the other side of that as well, isn't there? So there's burnout and there's what I've heard delightfully described as rust out, <laughs> um, which is where you're just not being pushed any, anymore mm. and you reach that point where actually you could be working at a much faster pace. Did you see evidence of that? Absolutely. I think one of the interesting things right now is everybody talks about well-being and it's absolutely critical that we look at holistically at how we support people inside businesses. But it's not just about giving people more holidays and more massages. It's understanding um, the concept of energy management versus time management, which is really, really helpful for any leader. And looking at how you can motivate people to have autonomy, mastery and purpose, Dan Pink's famous trio of, of things. And the purpose side of that, we really believe in. So it's one of the areas that within Caffeine, we talk to organisations about how can the concepts of, of an organisation purpose be used to drive pace. Mm. And it's because giving people a sense of direction is energising giving them the interesting projects, taking away all the bureaucracy as well, so you're not boring people into you know, being exhausted. Really understanding the excitement and the positivity of being at work, as well as go accepting that actually work is hard work and people do get tired and you have to manage the energy side of it all. So there's, a, there's an alchemy and an excitement in getting the balance right between not exhausting people with too much, but not boring them with too little that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It feels to me as if to do that um, effectively, a leader's got to use not just their technical understanding of what's going on and, the, and look at the results that teams are producing, but also actually to spend time there and see people and actually watch what's happening with them using their emotional intelligence. I think that's exactly the way to, to put it. It's the, it's the emotional intelligence of being able to sense what's happening from an energy point of view. So energy is everything. Without energy, fires don't start, machines don't work, projects don't happen, businesses aren't built. And a great leader understands that they need to be the one checking where uh, the energy is and, and where there's problems. So Baroness Reebuck, who had a fantastic career at Penguin Random House, talks about that being the role of a leader, to spot where the lights have gone out, 
in a, an organisation and to unblock and find ways to get that energy back in there mm. and finding out who are the people who are going to help bring energy as well makes a difference. So Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, those are his two recruitment criteria. He says, when you're looking at anybody that he's interviewing, he says, number one, do they bring clarity? And number two, do they bring energy? So trying to be the sort of leader who understands that energy needs to be nurtured and maintained and sustained is an emotionally intelligent way of looking at the processes and the way in which an organisation can continue to develop and grow. Yeah, I love that. I wonder how many leaders would be able to answer that question so succinctly. What two criteria do you look for when you're interviewing somebody? That's really powerful, isn't it? And it is really good. I think thinking about who the right people are, who you're going to bring inside your organisation, of course, varies according to what type of culture you're trying to build. Mm. But we've had quite a lot of discussions with people about that because the people you bring in are so much part of your brand and what will be successful. Mm. So thinking about how you get the right fit without, of course, hiring against diversity is a huge challenge. But it's your people who make up your organisation brand today. Mm. Brands are built from inside out, not just from a marketing point of view. So bringing on board the right people to build what kind of culture you want is a really important question. So we're talking about employer brand, aren't we, as well as customer brand there. And there's lots of different measures in place to think about how well you're, how well you're doing that, aren't there? And even surveys now about you know mm-hmm. who's got the best employer brand, but I'm I'm thinking um, in line with the rest of our conversation. That's obviously subject to to change at quite a quick pace, isn't it? Over time. So you always need to have the right measures against whatever you're trying to achieve. Mm. And I think what gets measured gets done. What gets measured gets treasured. Mm. So one of the first things you do if you have some clear objectives with your organisation is to make sure that the measures reflect that. But as you say, they can't be something that's just done from an annual basis. In the same way as 360 degree annual reviews are completely antiquated now for a world that's changing so fast. Most organisations, if they are moving at pace, people's roles change every three months. So you need to have both your way of appraising your people and your measures need to be able to be able to get the right tempo and to be regular and to get that fast feedback you need. Are you building in fast feedback and and quick measures? Mm. And a lot of people are using technology now to to get that kind of tempo and to be able to understand what's happening inside their organisation a lot faster than they used to. So I'm just thinking about, um, we're talking a lot about pace and changing things quickly and looking at um, targets and objectives over three months or one month or day to day even in some situations. I'm wondering, is is there a possibility that we lose some long-term view here as well. Mm. How do we maintain a long-term vision and strategy when we're making such quick changes in the moment, in the here and now? It's one of the biggest challenges for any leader, which is how they build the growth of the business in the short term while maintaining a long-term legacy so that business is going to survive to hand the baton on to someone else. Mm. And if a leader is just chasing the sales figures, and just focusing on the short term, then one of the the downsides of that is that you lose the motivation for people inside the organisation. We can see clear evidence that people are looking to be part of something 
any organization that actually has a longer term purpose and sense of what's happening. So the strongest leaders plan their time so that they can keep making sure that in the short term the business is moving at the right pace, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the fastest growth ever. So you had Dave Lewis from Tesco talking about this recently, and two of, of the CEOs that I spoke to for the book talk about the fact they could have grown their businesses faster in the short term, but they were super conscious that they wanted to build businesses that were sustainable for the long term. Paul Pullman, again, within Unilever, on the first day in his job as CEO, changed his reporting timing back to shareholders in order to allow him to build the business in a more long-term way. Mm. So rather than having to report back profits so quickly, he deliberately changed the way in which he was communicating it all. He figured on the first day, the first day on the job, he was unlikely to get sacked for doing it on the oh. first day. But there is that conscious role for leaders where they do need to pause and think about ultimately what are they trying to do? What's the long-term vision? So a lot of what we do within the Caffeine Partnership is actually working with leaders and their strategy offsites to make sure that the long-term planning is clear. You need to build in those strategic pauses to bring everyone together, to make it clear what direction everybody is going in and to set your objectives, your purpose and your values. And they then provide a framework within which everyone can have the freedom to deliver and get the pace right. But you need those guide rails to help the organisation get that balance of long-term building and short-term still delivering. So let's finish off our conversation at some pace, shall we? And let's do some quick-fire questions just to finish our conversation this afternoon. So um, my first question then is, how do you make it easy to make decisions at speed in a a company? (gasps) Great question. You have to make it easy for people to make decisions at speed because the biggest speed bump for any organization is slow decision making. Dave Girard, Vice President of Google Apps, says all business activity fundamentally comes down to two things, making decisions and executing decisions. And making sure you can develop speed as a habit in both is very important. So how do you do it? You spend the time working out what your company values are, what the strategy is, and training people to be ruthless about high-velocity decision-making, making those decisions fast and in the right direction. And in fact, Jeff Bezos, king of speed himself mm. from Amazon, talks about how important it is to have speed in business. And he says high-velocity decision-making is more fun too. Oh. So if we want to enjoy work, We have to find ways to give people the frameworks to make decisions and make sure they are made regularly. You have meetings quickly enough to make sure the decision makers get those decisions done. And what's the best advice that you've ever received around that? Ooh, a good friend said to me a few years ago when I was trying to do lots of things and was suffering from overwhelmitis, they said, um, darling, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. One of the key things for a leader in a world that's moving at such speed and where choice is huge is to learn to edit, to make choices, to ruthlessly prioritise. So focusing on what you're saying no to, being absolutely unrelentingly happy to say no to things is a really, really important 
stage to go through and ditch the guilt, focus on what really matters. We can't do everything. Something has to give. Mm-hmm. Learn to say no. Wise words. Bigger yeah, and bigger. Like that. Like That's that. another you like, one. You like the phrases, what pays us. I do. Yeah, okay. So my last question um, for you today is going to be, how do you practice what you preach then? <laughs> what do you do as chief exec in the caffeine partnership to bring this alive? <laughs> well, one of the great things about caffeine is people remember it because of the name. And caffeine technically, as a, a product, is a psychoactive stimulant. So it gets people thinking. So we really have to live up to that when we're working with people. And um, we have three values, and one of them is uh, very simply vigor and rigor. So we make sure, as a um, uh, principle in everything we do, that we do things at the right pace, that we don't waste time, that we get things done as quickly as possible, which is great because we tend to work with quite impatient leaders who (laughs) want to make things happen. But we also make sure there is the experience of people we bring in to help with the rigor side of it all and that we have clear strategies and the thinking behind it is as rigorous as possible. So having a value like vigor and rigor as a framework for people and as a guideline really helps make sure we are checking everything we do is in line with that. So that helps our pace and get our pace right. Um, So thank you so much. It has been such an interesting conversation with you. Um, I can't imagine how anybody listening to your advice this afternoon won't be inspired by that so thank you thank you it's been great talking about (laughs) it thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on apple podcasts spotify smart speaker or wherever you get your podcasts and please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show this is a podo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Corndell.